0: I want us to go right back to John's Gospel, chapter number 20. That's where we were last week. And I want us to pick up and read the story again. The Bible records these words that early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one who loved Jesus. "...and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put Him." So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the stripes of linen lying there, but did not go in." Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there. Verse 7 says this, "...as well as the cloth that had wrapped around Jesus' head. Finally the other disciple whom had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed." They still did not understand the Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. You know, last week we left off where Mary was at the tomb. Her restlessness caused her to return to the tomb somewhere between 3 o'clock in the morning and 6 a.m. And as I mentioned last week, it was her restlessness that brought her back to the tomb. It was her restlessness that brought her back to be by Jesus. And I can't help but to think that the restlessness that's taking place in our nation today is what's going to cause many people to come back To Jesus, to revisit their relationship with the Lord. And so when Mary arrives at the tomb, she doesn't find it the way that she left. It wasn't what she was expecting. She was expecting for the stone to be in front of the tomb. She was expecting a separation between her and her Savior. But to her surprise, The Bible said that the stone had already been removed. And I think that it was symbolic of what had happened in the temple. When Jesus said it is finished, and He breathed His last breath, that's when His sacrifice was accepted by the Father. And He became a ransom for many. Well John records, or Matthew records these words in Matthew 27 and 50 and 51. He said at that very moment that the curtain in the temple had been torn from top to bottom. Now the curtain was about 60 feet tall and some believe it was four inches thick. And behind this curtain in the temple was the Ark of the Covenant. It represented the presence of God and the power of God. Resting on top of the Ark was the mercy seat. And once a year the high priest would take a, would take a basin of blood and he would enter in beyond the veil and he would take the blood of an innocent lamb and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. When He sprinkled that blood upon the mercy seat, it forgave or it atoned the sins of the people. And so meaning that the people's sins had been forgiven for that year. And so when the veil was rent from top to bottom, the empty tomb, what I, what I believe it was symbolic of and what it, was, what it is symbolic of is that God had abolished the separation between Him and man. And the message to Mary and the message to you and I today is simply the same thing. It was our sin that separated us from Him. But it was because of His sacrifice, His willingness to lay down His life for you and I that we now have access back to the Father. Not just one time a year, but the Bible said We can come to Him boldly at any time and we can find grace and we can find mercy. You see as long as that veil was there it was a constant reminder that sin separated them from God. But once that veil was torn into the empty tomb lets us know that we are no longer separated from our Father. But because of the finished work of Jesus, we now can enjoy the very presence of our Creator. And so Mary wasn't expecting that. And I think that when the restlessness, or I think that when those who are restless in their spirit, I think when they begin to return back to God and they return back to the body, I think it's not going to be like what they expect I think it's not going to be like the system they may have been used to, maybe the system in which they were brought up in. A system of religion or a system that felt like you had to live under the law. In other words, you had to do certain things in order for God to accept you, behave a certain way in order for God to to like you, that you had to do certain works in order to be embraced and accepted by God. We know that that's not the dispensation. We're not under the law anymore. Jesus came to accomplish and complete and fulfill the law, and now we live under the dispensation of grace. Grace meaning that we have been accepted by the Father. And what that simply means is this, His work, His finished work allows us to rest in the presence of God. And so I believe that many are going to be received with openness just like the prodigal son was. Remember the story of the prodigal son? When he returned to the father after many years of a selfish sinful lifestyle, the Father welcomed and received Him not based upon His condition, not based upon His conduct, but rather based upon the fact that He had simply returned to the Father. And I believe that God is going to welcome sons and daughters back with open arms. He's going to welcome them back because they are hungry, they are searching And He's going to be that Father, that loving Father that's going to welcome them back. And I believe that the body, the church needs to be prepared for people that are going to be coming back. They're coming back from things that have separated them from the Father. They're coming back and they've been living lifestyles that that have not pleased the Father. But yet the Father welcomed them and yet the Father embraced them. And He actually threw a party for that prodigal. And I believe that the church needs to be ready to embrace and receive those who are coming back and let them know that God's grace is sufficient for all things. And so Mary comes to the tomb, it's open, and it's not what she expected, but instead of entering into the tomb, she takes off. She runs away. She's shocked by what she sees. And as she goes back and begins to speak with the other disciples, she begins to give them an inaccurate account of what had happened. Mary, remember her words, said that they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put Him. Well, that's not what happened. We know that's not what took place. But it wasn't uncommon in those days for people to raid the tomb or tombs. As a matter of fact, it was so common in those days for people to raid tombs that it became a federal offense punishable unto death. So in Mary's mind, she thinks this is what's happened. Someone has came, they, whoever they are, and they have taken the body of Jesus. And I was thinking about that and meditating upon that. And it's almost like what we see today today. It's like, what have we done with Jesus? Where's Jesus? And what has America done with Jesus? Well, think about it for a moment. We've taken Him out of our public schools. We have taken the nativity scene away from public places. We, uh, it's no longer politically correct to say Christmas. It's no longer Easter break, it's now spring break. Uh, as a matter of fact, there are many people who are offended when we even use the name Jesus, and yet the Bible says that the early church was persecuted because when they taught, when they preached, when they assembled together they assembled under the name and under the banner of Jesus, they taught the Word of Jesus, they preached the Word of Christ, and they told them, we don't care if you gather, we don't care if you help the needy, but what what we do care if you use the name of Jesus. And so they threatened them that anyone who would use the name of Jesus, that they would be punished. And Peter said, you know what? We can't help but to testify. We can't help but to share the name of Jesus, right? And so, so we need to understand that Jesus's name is above every name as a matter of fact right where you are. I want you to type in bold print. Just type in the name Jesus. Just just right right where you are. Join with me and just type in that name Jesus. We are not going to quit preaching and teaching and magnifying the name of Jesus. They've it's as though they've raided the tomb. It's as though they've They've taken Jesus away. But here's the problem with that. If you take away the name of Jesus, if you rob the tomb, then you take away the resurrection. And if you take away the resurrection, you take away our hope. Paul said it this way. Paul said that we would be most miserable and a people who would would be without any hope. And so if you take away the resurrection, you take away redemption. If you take away the resurrection, you take away our victory. If you take away the resurrection, you take away the, the defeat of death, hell and the grave. And so we know that the tomb is empty, but we also know that it was emptied By the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who raised Jesus from the grave. And you know we hear it today. We hear people say, well where is Jesus? Where is God in all of this? Well I'm, I'm getting ready to tell you that God Jesus is getting ready to show up in a mighty way. They're still trying to raid the tomb today but they can't. And the reason they can't is because it's undeniable. And the reason that it is undeniable is because you and I are a witness to the fact of the resurrection. Because as a believer we know that the Spirit of God dwells and lives on the inside of every believer. So we know that He is alive and well. We testify, we give witness to the fact that Jesus is is alive and well because He lives on the inside of us. We know that He got up that Easter morning. We know it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I believe, and I believe what I'm about to share with you, and this is where the message begins to become a little more prophetic in meaning. And I'm getting ready to prophesy to you right now. I'm getting ready to just tell you what I feel in my spirit is getting ready to happen in our nation there's going to be a resurgence of the body of Christ. Now I'm talking about the church. We are the body of Christ. I believe there's going to be a resurgence of the body of Christ. We are about to put Jesus back on public display. The question won't be, where have they put the body? Because the second time that Mary comes back to the disciples with a report, she doesn't ask them where have they put the body? We don't know where Jesus is. Look at verse 18 of John chapter 20, the second time that Mary comes back. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. How many of you know it's time to hear some good news? We've been hearing a lot of negative news. We've been hearing a lot of uh, bad news uh, around the world, but I want you to know that we have a message and that message is a message of good news. So Mary came back to the disciples with this news, and this is what she said. She said, I have seen the Lord. Remember this is Mary, restless Mary. This is the Mary who returned to the tomb. This is the Mary who wanted to get close to Jesus. This is the Mary who gave the first time an inaccurate report of the body. This is the Mary whom Jesus cast seven devils out of. This is the Mary who comes back now and says, I know that he's alive. I know that he lives. He has revealed himself to me. I have seen the Lord. Now it's interesting to me that when Jesus reveals Himself to Mary that initially Mary thought He was a gardener. Look at verse 15 with me. John chapter 20 verse 15 records these words. He asked her, woman why are you crying? Why are you worried? Why are you so upset? Who is it that you're looking for? Now look at this. Mary, thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you put him, and I will get him. It's interesting to me that Mary, in her first encounter with the resurrected Savior, it's interesting that she thinks that he's a gardener, and here's why. The first man, Adam, was put in a garden, and he was put there to tend or to keep the garden. He was responsible to protect the garden. And by protecting the garden, he was responsible to keep the servant out of the garden, or to keep the servant our serpent under his authority. And so he was given dominion. He was given authority, and he was given power over everything in the garden. And we know that he failed. We know that he sinned. And what I think God was trying to say to us through Mary and what God was trying to reveal to Mary at this initial moment was that you are about to see the glory of God manifest and be revealed in a miraculous way. Let me back up and just put it this way. I think God was saying what was lost in the first garden is now, or what was lost by the first man Adam has now been redeemed by the second Adam, Jesus. Adam surrendered his authority, he surrendered dominion, he surrendered power, and he lost the garden. But Jesus comes back and He defeats the serpent and He reclaims the authority and He reclaims dominion, and He reclaims the power. And that's why I believe God is letting us know what the first man, Adam, lost, the second man, Adam, reclaimed, and is given back to you and I. And that's why I believe that you and I are going to see the glory and the power of God move in this hour. I think God's glory and power, His dominion, is about to manifest in our nation Again, And if you believe me, I want you to just shout yes right now. I know you may be sitting in your living room right now joining me, but I feel this very deep in my spirit and I want you to shout yes. And as a matter of fact, just right now, type it in in bold print. Yes, we agree. This is about to happen in our nation. I have seen the Lord and we are going to see the power of God move in our nation again. I'm not talking about optically seeing the Lord, but I'm talking about us us seeing God move in mighty powerful ways. The The body of Christ isn't gone. We're here. We're not irrelevant. We are more relevant today than we have ever been before. We have good news. We have the good news. This is not a day of doom. This is not a day of gloom. This is a day of good news. We're sprinting to the tomb. We're letting everyone know that Jesus is alive and well. That he has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And we have that good news and God's going to give us a platform, and God's given us an opportunity to share that good news with others. Her first message, when Mary goes, goes back, I should say the second message, it sparks the entrance, or uh, interest of two disciples, just two. One being Peter, the other being the writer of the story, John. And I find it funny, as John narrates the story, that he makes sure to tell us, not once, but twice, that he outran Peter to the tomb. Now John's writing the story, and he lets us know, hey, I'm the one who won the race. I'm the winner of the first resurrection race. I'm the one who won the race. And so when they get there, John looks into the tomb, but he doesn't go into the tomb. He notices the strips of linen that are still in the tomb, and he just looks into the tomb. Peter comes now behind him, and Peter goes into the tomb. It's kind of like Peter shows up and is like, get out of the way, John. Scoot over. I just simply believe it's his personality, And he goes into the tomb. Now verse 5, verse 6, and verse 8 of this story. Verse 6 and 8 uses the word saw. Verse 5 uses the word look. In the Greek they all have a different meaning. Three separate words in the Greek. But they are translated In the same word or the same word in English. So in verse 5 when he looked in and he saw the linen, it is the Greek word belipo and it means to notice. It means I'm looking at something, I can make it out and I'm just looking at it. I notice it. The second word is found in verse 6, and it means ferret. It's where we get the term theater. When you, it's like when you observe what's going on stage. You look in the same direction for a long period of time, and you start to put things together. It means you're studying it closely. This is what John, or this is what Peter's doing. He's he's studying the inside of the tomb. The word Saul in verse 6, Peter went into the tomb and he studied the cloths closely. But notice Peter does not come to a conclusion at this moment. He's more bedazzled than anything. How you like that word, bedazzled? Just go ahead and type that in as well. Bedazzled. It's kind of like that student at school that hears the teacher and he's listening to the teacher and he's nodding his head and he's like, oh yeah, I get it, I understand, but he doesn't. That kind of thing. That's what's going on with Peter. But then John decides to come into the tomb himself. And this is the word, the word saw in the Greek here means I don." And it means to see with comprehension. It means to see with understanding. That's why it said he saw Idon and he believed. Standing outside of the tomb, he looked, he was questioning, he was wondering. Peter inside the tomb, he's looking, he's amazed, he's trying to figure it out, he really doesn't understand what's going on, But then John comes in the tomb, he looks and he sees and now he understands. It's one of those aha moments. I get it. He really is alive. He rose from the dead just like he said he would. And I believe this. I believe that these are the three mindsets, thought process that people are going to have when they begin to return to the body, when they begin to return to the Lord. There are those that are coming back and I believe those that are coming back to the church, even maybe here online today, you're just checking us out. You're just checking things out and you're looking for answers. That's what Peter was doing. It was just checking the tomb out, trying to get some answers And then I believe that there are those that are coming and there are those who may be watching right now that you're just starting to put things together. And the picture's becoming clearer and clearer for you. And you're going to be amazed by what you see and by what you're going to experience. And then I believe that there's going to be that group. They're going to have that Adon moment. Where their eyes are going to be opened. And they're going to see. Paul even told us that we need to pray for those. That their eyes would be opened. Their understanding would be enlightened. So that they could see and realize that Jesus rose from the dead. He's forgiven us of our sins. And they're going to see with an understanding in their spirit. And they're going to surrender their life. And they're going to surrender their hearts to him. What did John see? What did John see in the tomb that caused him to get it, that caused him to believe? What was it that at that moment it says, that's it, he's alive? Well, you're going to have to join me next week in order to find out what that is. We're going to answer that question next week, but it's in the tomb. And there's reason that Jesus left the linens in the tomb. And you want to be back next week to find out why he did what he did. But I just want to close right now and I just want you to know that many are going to start turning back to the Lord. And they're going to be embraced with the loving Father who's going to welcome them, who's going to accept them, and who's going to love them. And His grace is going to be sufficient for them. I believe that Jesus is getting ready. The church is going to resurface in this very hour that we're in. That Jesus is going to be back on public display in America again. And the church is going to give witness to that. And we're going to have a voice in this final hour. We're going to have our authority and our power and our dominion in this final hour. And we are going to see God move in miraculous and powerful ways. And I believe that there are people that are coming that are just interested. They're searching. They're looking. I believe that there are people that are coming and they're just trying to get it all together. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to understand. And then I believe that there are people that are going to get it. They're going to see it. Their eyes are going to be open. And they're going to receive the message of Easter. Maybe you're watching me right now And maybe you are saying in your heart, you know, I need to return to the Father. I know that He's my Lord and I know that He's my Savior but I've been distant from Him. I'm going to pray right now and I want you to pray with me. I want you to ask Jesus back into your life, maybe for the very first time. Would you pray with me? Bow your head right where you are and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you. I come to you in the name of Jesus and I ask you right now to forgive me of my sin. I ask you, Lord, to cleanse me with your blood. I believe in my heart and I believe that Jesus died. I believe he rose and I believe he's coming back very soon. And I want to be ready and I want to serve him the rest of my life. So I ask you now, Father, to forgive me and wash me and receive me once again as your son. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, God bless you. We thank God for you. We're here for you. If you have any questions, please reach out to us. We want to be able to minister to you. We want to be able to help you on this journey. I want to thank you again for tuning in. I want you to stay safe. I want you to understand that God is in charge. God's, God's got this. And um, we're going to come out greater than when we went in. I can promise you that. I want you to tune back in next week and we'll see you right back here at The Point. God bless you. Have a great week.